This hour of the Bill Meyer Show podcast is made possible by Clouser Drilling. Clouser Drilling is proud to sponsor the show. We appreciate them, too. If you need to drill for water, be sure to call Clouser Drilling. They've been leading the way in Southern Oregon well drilling for over 50 years. ClouserDrilling.com. It's 11 minutes after 7. Mr. Outdoors is here every Friday. Oregon Truck and Auto Authority, driven by Linex on Airway Drive and Metro, the sponsor of him. Greg Roberts, RogueWeather.com, of course. And uh, we appreciate you being here. And, boy, uh, you know, first thing I want to get to before we get into the uh, in, into uh, some of the weather, I went to uh, to uh, oral surgeon yesterday, and I had some uh, outpatient surgery, Greg. And this was the first time in my life that I'd ever been completely put out. I had a colonoscopy, and it was kind of like I was I was half asleep, but I was still sort of semi-conscious, right? You know that kind of thing. Right. But uh, but yesterday they were putting in. I, I broke a tooth last year. They had to pull it out, uh, the remnants, and now they put the uh, the titanium stud in there for ultimately the implant uh, for a few months, right. you know, down the road. And they put me out entirely. And before they did that, I asked them. I said, "Well, what are the drugs that are in here?" Well, there is. I think it's propanol or propanol, and um, the Michael Jackson drug, you know, that one, that's the uh, sleepy mm-hmm. shot part of it, and fentanyl in there for uh, for pain. I'm thinking to myself, all right, and, and it's really in the bag, right? And the, and, the nur- and even the nurse there was uh, saying, oh, yeah, that was like the talk of the office here, what happened at uh, RRMC. And it is um, it's still a big deal. And the only the, the big question I've had about this is, and I know that you had were telling me, and I agree with you, that that problem they had there with the nurse uh, accused of stealing fentanyl, putting tap water back into the uh, bags, and then yeah, getting all those mainline infections, you know, going on with people. Right. And uh, at least one has died, but I'm told it's more like 9 to 10. By the time this is all, you know, figured out, it'll be 9 to 10. And the uh, the issue that has bothered me about this is that it was turned over to Medford Police officially, supposedly, a couple of weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, according to MPD. Right. The moment that they fired that nurse, though, because of stealing the drugs, that was actionable right then for police. And I'm kind of curious when, you know, if this was been going on for a while, why that wasn't turned over immediately. You're like, hey, you know, this person, you know, we figured it out. I'm just curious. I, right. that, that's the part I'm wondering about. Yeah. And, you know, somebody needs to answer for that because you're absolutely right. When it should have been reported was when they terminated her for cause and the cause that they did and maybe they did maybe they did maybe they didn't get it done until now maybe they didn't get it done until just recently that's been the one thing i mean what are what are you hearing you know down on the ground so to speak what do you think that okay that may be also true they may have also um, launched an investigation of their own that you know the long and the short of it is by the time they did notify mpd You've got an elapsed period of time from when all of this happened, and when you're doing these type of investigations, you want to be as close as you possibly can to when things actually happen, because it does add a degree of difficulty to the investigation mm-hmm. if you get some time in the events, and yeah. they have. But the thing that just blows my mind even maybe more so than the actual act of, you know, stealing the fentanyl is the confirmation of what we've heard for years from RRMC employees and others about don't, don't drink, drink the water, water yeah. in that place mm-hmm. are turning out to be true. How hard is it to get, uh, you know, decent water into a hospital? You You would think it would not be that hard. I mean... I'm aware of other hospital systems that they have their own purification system in-house. Yeah. You know, to try and make sure that they're really eliminating any contaminants, whatever that might be. Yeah, but that, but still, this alleged... Yeah, yeah but know, still, uh, but still, this alleged nurse, uh, you know, of course, it's an accusation. Of course, but I, I don't even know what I'm saying allegedly because uh, Asante, when they're calling up victims, they're admitting it. So they're falling on their sword on this. So I, I'll stop saying... The other thing I hate is when they call it drug diversion. No, it's a nurse stealing drugs. Okay, let's let's call it what it really is. Okay, I know right. it, it, it sounds more inflammatory, but it should be inflammatory, you know? Uh, yeah, and it should. Um, you know, the hard part is we've also, we've got a lot of, well, speculation, innuendo, mm-hmm. um, water cooler gossip from the hospital itself. So, you know, we're just going to have to let um, law enforcement, MPD, 
do their job, do their investigation, and see where this all comes out. This yeah, but but even the worst, but questionably but, true. Though. Yeah, but what I'm going at here is that even the worst nurse in the world would know that uh, that tap water is not sterile and would realize what was being done. Right. By uh, yeah. even because you know, and I didn't realize that, but then you know. Tap water is not sterile. I knew it wasn't sterile, but in some cases, it's like when it's a different. If you were to drink tap water, you don't expect it to be sterile; just very low bacterial content. And Medford right. Water, uh, our water can, uh, systems are very good at providing yeah. good wa- good water. Nothing about that about the standards, but it's not sterile. Okay, um, right. and that's fine. When you inject it, it is a completely different story. And that's something I did not know until this story popped up. I didn't realize it was that uh, big of a deal, but apparently it is. It's something yeah, else. It, you know? It's true. If you if you start injecting water and other pathways than what it's designed to enter the body in, you can get some pretty dire consequences. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, we'll be uh, holding back on this one. But I was tipped off on this on uh, Christmas weekend. You know, the weekend going into uh, Christmas yeah. when I went on vacation, and I couldn't get any confirmation back from MPD or the sheriff's department. Sheriffs, I found out, weren't involved in this particular case. But right. uh, I'm glad that Kobe, uh, you know, kept on it and uh, yes. finally got some people to uh, to come forth on it. And uh, and so this is going to be. I mean, we've made national news over this now because of that. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. this kind of thing. Um, it's an attention getter for people. So yeah, we definitely, you know, we hit national news, and certainly not in a way you would ever want to. So. Yeah. And and by the way, I'm not advocating that uh, that the nurse should have done but did you think about this? You probably could have at worst you would have been uh, guilty of stealing the drugs if you had just even taken an old saline bag and not having disposed of it and just sucked some water on it and stuck it in then, you know. Right. And at least it would have been uh been sterile, but yeah, this is um I'll be really curious as to what it looks like at the end. Now, I've been looking at the Oregon Nursing Board. You know, they have the nursing board where people hand back in their um, their licenses or, or discipline. You know, every month they have a meeting. Right. And I haven't seen – I know there was a nurse in Rogue River in November who had uh, her license voluntarily turned in for not uh, doing uh, – not uh, following the rules and performing right. good care. And there were other people fined like 500 bucks. They're kind of routine. But nothing that sounded – you know, it sounded to me like uh, someone who had done what this nurse was accused of would have been stripped of the yep. of the uh, license rather than, uh, you know, you're you're turning it in, you know, that kind of thing. Unless I'm wrong. I, I don't know how that uh, works. No. But um, And then the other thing that I've heard, too, is this is not an Oregon resident. It was a travel nurse. And that's what I'm hearing, know, too. So who yeah. knows what state? the nursing license was actually issued in. Yeah, and think about I'm that. I'm not sure if she actually even had one for Oregon. Yeah, and think about that, what that entailed, given that Asante was the most down, hey, we're going to make sure, take the jab or you're gone, right? You know, that kind of thing. And I think about uh, those nurses that used to work with my wife, Linda. You know, 40 years of peace most of them had, and they all left. They said, nope, we're not doing this. Asante yeah. lost their best and their brightest, and then they went with the foreigners, you know? The yeah, foreign, the foreign nurses coming in. Absolutely true. Yeah. So, oh, I, oh well, um, you know, just a sad situation all the way around. That hopefully we're going to wind up getting answers to all the questions. Yeah, I hope so too. Well, I, I wanted to just uh, get your opinion forward. on that because I know that a lot of people, you have a lot of uh, reach over there on Rogue Weather, and people will be writing you and uh, telling yeah. you stuff about it too. All right, Greg. So why don't we focus on here weather and outdoors here for the next uh, you know few minutes here since this is the outdoor report, but we sometimes go off on other subjects too. The uh, yeah, we meander. Exactly. Exactly. It's Friday for crying out yeah. loud, all right? Now, um what I'm hearing is that uh, we're actually going to have some snow sticking in, but it's kind of uh, high pass level, high mountain and maybe just a touch of it in the valleys is that sort of what we're looking at here as we get well, wet? Hmm? No, actually, it's not high mountain. We're talking winter storm warning in effect in Jackson, Josephine County, above 2,500 feet. Okay, that's past level. Um, that's past level in, yeah, in high the, hill. Okay. The trick is going to be how low will snow levels get on Sunday morning. It's entirely possible that some valley floor locations will see snow. Mm-hmm. Some won't. And that's just the byproduct of our microclimating that we have here. It happens all the time. But we're definitely going to have the lowest snow levels we've had 
so far this season, and we're just going to see how it's going to transpire at the lower elevations. Upper elevations, there's no question. It's going to be the best shot of snow we've seen um, so far this season here locally. Is it enough to get Mount Ashland open? I don't think this one would be on its own. And plus, when you have low snow levels, that's not the kind of base builder snow that you really want. That tends to be colder, drier snow up high at elevations, like the winter recreation areas. But yeah. um, some snow is better than no snow by a country mile. But next week, Tuesday, Wednesday, there's going to be another big snowmaker hit. And this one, snow levels are going to be higher. And so you're going to have higher moisture content in the snow, which for Mount Ashland, far better base builder. And we're just going to have to see what winds up happening here. Um, Mount Shasta, um, they got nine inches of snow on Tuesday night into Wednesday morning, their best snow dump of the season so far. And they were definitely going to start cranking up their snow guns to take advantage of the cooler weather and the snow on the ground. And, you know, actually, I think honestly right now, Mount Shasta Ski Park may be in a bit better position to get open by Martin Luther King Jr. holiday weekend than Mount Ashland would be. But it is still very possible, especially depending on what that second storm coming Tuesday and Wednesday is going to do, that we may have Mount Ashland fired up to some capacity for Martin Luther King Jr. weekend, which is a week from this weekend. All right. How are things looking out uh, for uh, for recreation out at the coast? Anything worth heading out there for right now? Well, with the storm activity coming in, it's going to be a lot of rough water. So, okay. you know, this is one of these high-impact outdoor activity situations that it's not going to be the best weather for being out and about. It just will not. So, um, you know, we're going to definitely be seeing at least – high-end small craft advisory warning or small craft advisory levels we may get to storm warnings for the coast so yeah basically a blowout okay all right so uh, don't bother <laughs> stick around town if you want to i suppose yeah. and uh is there anything worth doing outside this weekend or is this kind of a you know uh polish your skis and darn your fishing nets and and and, and clean your guns and do yeah clean your guns and doing whatever it yeah. takes to and, of course, you can listen to the sound of my voice, so you know what I'm doing this weekend. A whole lot of nothing, rest and recuperation. So, but yeah. at least the weather is going to be more conducive to make me feel better about being locked up and inside. All right. Hey, I have a couple of questions from uh, Doug in Rogue River. And, okay. and it's going to uh, fire these by you before we take off. And, uh, by the way, Outdoor Report sponsored by Oregon Truck and Auto Authority, driven by Linex on Airway Drive in Medford, along with Mr. Uh, Greg Roberts here from RogueWeather.com. And Doug asks, Bill, do any of those recently burned trees standing in the Applegate have any economic value? Are you aware, you know, of that, the, the recently burned trees out of the Applegate? Um, probably not, honestly. Um, you know, if you're going to have value in trees that get burned up in fires, you're going to have to get on them quick. Well, luckily or unluckily, we really haven't had a lot of recent fire activity out there. But the fire activity we had in the Applegate, yeah, if they didn't harvest them by now, there's no value to them at all, really. And in fact, they now turn into an impediment in the future if fires get going because they're standing snags and a big safety hazard for firefighters moving in on new burns in the area. Okay. By the way, someone I think was trying to call and wanted to talk to you probably you have to uh, have your caller ID active. The anonymous ones do not make it through here. Okay, just want to let people know that. A lot of people wonder, well, I can't call you, you know. Well, that, that would be why. Yeah, well, the reason for that is that to, to keep troll activity down, because most of the trolls tend to always like to do that. They hide their caller ID, and then they call right. in and, 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 and then stir the excrement, you know, as it were. Well, hey, caller ID essentially acts as your de facto call screener, so I get it. Darn straight. All right, now then, uh, there's another question that Doug had. There's an active movement to reintroduce wolves in Colorado, and uh, Doug was wondering if you could fill us in on the wolf relocation program recently performed by moving 10 wolves from Oregon to Colorado. And This is what Doug says. I was reading an article by Colorado Cattlemen's Group stating that the release plan dates and locations were kept secret from the cattle owners and only certain 
wolf-friendly dignitaries were allowed to witness the release in an undisclosed location in Colorado. Reportedly, many of the witnesses cried tears of joy, and people reveled at the event. The 10 Oregon wolves were taken from several packs last month, of which only one wolf pack had not been involved in previous cattle uh, depredation activities here in Oregon. And he was wondering that if you could add any background info to that. Have you heard anything? Yeah, you know, and again, Colorado, they were getting wolves and migrating. This was this was much ado to create a situation that the reality was they already had wolves in the state. Uh, mm-hmm. There's been numerous reports of wolves from Rocky Mountain National Park in Colorado. We knew they were there, but. You've got Denver, um, Grand Junction, Colorado Springs, basically their versions of Portland and Salem and Eugene back there. They voted to reintroduce wolves because people cooped up in the cities have no concept about what's really going on out on the landscape. So they forced the quote-unquote reintroduction of wolves, even though Mother Nature was doing it all on her own anyway. Yeah. And, the, you know, I mean, we've seen the same thing happening in California, wolves have made it to California. There are at least six known packs now breeding in California. And believe me, Claire, back in the early 1990s, nobody thought the wolves would make it to California. Well, well they were laughing at you because you insisted that the wolves were already here. And yeah. and yet and yet you were right. You were eventually yep. proven right there. But yep. uh, one of the most bizarre things that, uh, you know, that came from that, I thought. So you have people of low intelligence level without any comprehension of what's going on celebrating something that was already happening anyway and force the U.S. government to spend dollars, do something that Mother Nature was already doing for free. Okay. Uh, Do you think it's wise when they uh, release wolves secretly, especially given that there is depredation problems? Yeah, no, I do not like that at all. And, you know, contrary to popular belief, Oregon never brought wolves in and released them here in the state. All the wolves that we have now mm-hmm. are all the result of inbound migration from other areas. Oregon just flat didn't have the dollars to do it. Hiding where you're releasing the wolves is it's so unbelievably stupid, but lately we're seeing a lot of things about Colorado that shows the overall intelligence level. They should never keep that secret from the ranchers and the cattle producers back there. In fact, it's even more important that they know so they can start employing non-lethal deterrence methods on the wolves, which the ones from Oregon, I'm not sure how effective they're going to be because the ones from Oregon have already been very well educated to a lot of the non-lethal deterrence methods out here. But wolves that have shown up in Colorado repopulating out of Wyoming, Idaho, Montana, hard to say. There could be some benefit. But yeah, it's categorically stupid to not notify the ranchers and cattle producers in the area, even just people with a few head of livestock, be it cattle, whatever, to notify people and say, okay, we're going to be releasing wolves. You need to start making your property less desirable. If you got bone piles out there, get rid of them. If you got garbage out there, get rid of it. If you're feeding your pets outside, quit doing it. They need to do those kind of things, and they did not. All right. Greg Roberts, once again, RogueWeather.com. Uh, hi, caller. You're on with Greg. You have a question for him? Go right ahead. Good morning. I do. This is Francine. Yes, Francine. Take it away. Yeah. You, well, you just mentioned somebody called in about the, the burnt wood, the burnt you know trees, if they, were, they had any value. What about as firewood? And if, if they are usable as firewood, and I don't know what kind of trees they are, if it's a hardwood or whatever, um, would the, is there any possibility something like the uh, Jackson County Fuel Committee could be notified and given access to the wood? That's a great question. Well, yeah, there there would be some value for it that way. Um, if it's on the ground, it's something that firewood cutters could definitely take benefit of. Um, but standing, for a lot of reasons, they don't want people dropping standing trees. So well, they're talking they about going out and cutting down do these trees uh, uh, in these areas now out there in the Applegate where they've got a lot of that standing dead red and obviously you've got some burn areas with standing snags. I say drop that stuff and then let people get in 
and do their firewood cutting. Yeah, they, they, I guess they from from the sounds of it up on the on the ground level because okay. again, this is just another tool that you could use. Now, the flip side of this down here, of course, because of our air quality concerns, especially in Medford and Grants Pass, they're doing everything they can to move people away from burning wood, but. Out in the rural areas especially, it's still a very common form of heat. So I would say, you know, let people get in there and help clean that up as much as they can. But the first thing is they're going to have to put certified fallers out there and do some hazard tree mitigation. All right. Uh who, who would who would the fuel committee contact about this wood? And they do have experienced people that work up on on private property taking trees down. And stuff. This, by and large, in the Applegate, it is mostly uh, Medford BLM district Uh-oh. issue. Uh, <laughs> there is some Rogue River Siskiyou National Forest land. That said, I don't think. The Rogue River Siskiyou National Forest land is in nearly as bad a shape as the BLM uh, lands out there are. So there you okay, go, well, Francine. Well, thank you. All right, take a stab yeah. at that. Hey, Greg, thanks for playing with pain. Get better. We'll talk with yeah. you next Friday, all right? You take care. Yeah, like I said, you know, everybody knows my plan for the weekend. I'm going to be sitting here resting and recuperating and trying to get over this as quick as I can. Hey, yeah, glad you're able to make it anyway. Thanks for the outdoor report. You got it, Bill. 732 KBD KCMD. News next, and then we're going to be talking about the Josephine County Charter Change with Larry West. Hi there, Dusty here from Dusty's Transmissions. You know, there's nothing worse than getting stuck out there in the cold. So you want to make sure your 4x4 is working correctly. Maybe time to think about servicing your transmission, transportation differential. Does your vehicle have work obligations or family trips coming up? We've been servicing transmissions and gearboxes since 79. Everything from the oldest vehicles to the newest diesel truck, family SUV, car, and even hybrids. So give us a call. Dusty's Transmissions in Central Point. Bicoastal Media's Best of Southern Oregon magazine is online at bestofsouthernoregon.com. Find the winners in nearly 200 categories by flipping through the magazine online or sort by category and discover Southern Oregon's best suppliers of goods and services, like the Retro Wormhole, Father and Son Jewelry, and Agave in Bloom. Congratulations to the award winners from Bicoastal Media, publishers of Best of Southern Oregon. Nominations for 2024-25 start in spring. Visit bestofsouthernoregon.com. Gold just hit a new all-time high, and it could go much higher as people realize just how delicate our economy is. Hi, I'm Dr. Ron Paul, and I've spoken to many Americans who are deeply concerned about losing everything and not being able to do anything about it. This is why I'm thankful for physical gold IRAs from Birch Gold Group. Because unlike digital and paper assets, gold is a true haven that all Americans should consider for their financial security. To learn more, text the word SAFEGUARD to 989898. Birch Gold Group will send you a free info kit on gold IRAs. This is your chance to secure your IRA or 401k against the unpredictable nature of our economy. Text SAFEGUARD to the number 989898 now to request your free info kit on gold IRAs. KMED KCMD News, sponsored by Millette Construction, specializing in foundation repair and replacement. Get on solid ground by visiting MilletConstruction.com. Good morning, I'm Marcus Veal with your NBC5 Morning News Update. Mever police made 39 DUII arrests for the month of December, many of which took place over New Year's weekend. According to MPD, 19 people were arrested for DUIIs between December 24th and January 1st. The department says on average they see between 25 and 30 DUII arrests in a month. Increased numbers were predicted for December as many law enforcement agencies added patrols for the holidays. Meanwhile, the Eagle Point Police Department saw a record year for DUII cases in 2023. Officers arrested 61 impaired drivers. That's compared to just 27 in 2022. Southern Oregon University is working on adding housing for senior citizens on their Ashland campus. SOU is still moving forward with plans to demolish an old dorm. SOU President Rick Bailey says they hope the housing will help boost revenue for the school to ensure it remains affordable and accessible to students. He added that senior housing will reinforce their message that lifelong learning is for anybody at any age. Bailey hopes the housing will fully integrate senior residents into the university space. 
Demolition on Cascade Hall, which is being funded by the state, is set to begin the summer or fall of this year. Bailey says the university doesn't take projects like this lightly, and they plan to repurpose anything they can from the demolition. That's a look at your morning headlines. For MC5 News, I'm Marcus Veal. Have a great weekend. This hour of the Bill Meyer Show is proudly sponsored by Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros on Main Street in Phoenix. Hi, it's Jolene at Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros. If you're wondering about the condition of your tires, stop in and we'll check your tread level and give you an honest assessment on wear and your ability to navigate wet, slick roads. And if you need new tires, Phoenix Auto Center has a great selection of top brands like General, Hercules, Cooper, Continental, Falcon, Mastercraft, BF Goodrich, and more. For the best tire prices and service, see your local family-owned Phoenix Auto Center Tire Pros on Main in Phoenix. If you're remodeling your house, start with the foundation. Millette Construction offers a no-pressure, thorough inspection of your home's foundation and a no-obligation estimate if your house needs work. The foundation is most important because all of the repairs and upgrades you're planning from the floors, windows, doors, cabinets, even the roof can be affected if your foundation is unstable. Be sure you're on solid ground. Millette Construction will level your house and correct the shifting soil problem. Visit MilletteConstruction.com. When choosing a contractor, you need a professional. Clauser Drilling's professionalism starts with their organized office staff and continues with their experienced field staff. A family-owned business, Clauser Drilling employs qualified individuals with diverse skills and experience who share the same passion. This means dependable results you can trust. Don't take a risk on your well contractor. For drilling, deepening, or repair, call 541-476-7795 or visit ClauserDrilling.com. Serving Southern Oregon since 1971. Thanks to you, they're great customers. Hi, I'm Paul Strandberg with Valley View Nursery, and I'm on 106.7 KMED. 7.37, oddly enough, 106.7 is down for the count. I uh, tried to check into it this morning. Transmitters failed. I'll go up there and take a look at it. And the reason I didn't know about it, apparently, when people said it was off the air, is that the transmitter is supposed to tell me when it uh, is, is hurt. And if the transmitter is really hurt, then it can't tell me. Oh, well, <laughs> it's the way that goes, I guess. It's uh, 738, though. Let's uh, shift gears. Joe County's 17, measures 17-116. This is the charter repeal and replacing with a, a new charter. And uh, Citizens for Responsible Government, Larry West is with us. Larry, welcome to the show. Good morning. Well, good morning, and thank you for having me on. All right. Now, uh, I told you before like, yesterday that uh, I'm a bit of a skeptic on this particular charter change, so maybe you're going to talk me down off the ledge. And uh, why don't we uh, talk a little, you know, anytime, I just want to be careful when we do something like this. Tell us what is the basic purpose of 17-116 and what the uh, what you consider the high points of uh, going to uh, four county commissioners and elected in districts and then having one at large and then having a, uh, a county manager, you know, end up uh, being hired to do something like this. Why don't you just break it all down for us in your take? Okay, I'll put it down in a simple map as close as I can get. Oh, five areas. One, again, you've already said, oh, we'd like to have five unsalaried part-time commissioners. Each commissioner would be assigned a district by population. And the local representation thereby is increased significantly because, in effect, really what happens, kind of like on many lawyers, represents a certain geographic area, people can go to that person. That's the beauty of it, is direct representation. And well, and as well as one floating member who looks at the entire county. And so there's the five county commissioners that we're looking for. Uh, these will be, everybody has to be, it's a district elected person, would have to live in that district for the duration of four years. Okay. Uh, one, then, in addition to that, of course, their responsibilities are are not what the county manager, which is the next important topic, we would hire. And uh, Metro's going that way. Hood River has been that way. Several other locations in the state are doing that, and it's being studied again all over the state uh, in the outlying areas such as what we live in in Josephine County. Uh, the full-time experienced county, county manager, which would be hired, would report to those five commissioners. 
his responsibilities to be very clear. He would do the planning, the organizing, staffing, directing, controlling, coordinating and empowering others in the government at the lower level to initiate what the five county commissioners want to do. But he also has to be the hands-on, hands-on person. It's a big job. Uh, and a good representative of that is in Medford. That's the way they do it. Mm-hmm. And I can't think of a better managed person that deals with those topics than Danny. Now, I will agree with you that uh, that Jackson County is um, is well-managed for the most part, all right? Uh, the challenge that you run into is that where's all the magic money to do this uh, going to come from? Because Josephine County is arguably a very thinly funded county. I mean, you have a very small uh, you know, general levy that uh, is one-third, roughly one-third of that of Jackson County. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's one thing. And plus, uh, Jackson County is a much larger county. And I think I understand why they've only uh, you know, had three. But uh, tell me how the uh, how we work with that. Let's look at Hood River, which is a good example. They're very close in a lot of ways than we are in Josephine County, and they've elected to do that. We've been talking to them. Uh, they are very happy with their new representation versus what they had before. We are both Hood River and Josephine County a poor county compared to Jackson County. Mm-hmm. But still, this is why we're only paying uh, to up to uh, $24,000 for the part-time county commissioner function. And the majority of the money will go to a paid professional to do the administrative things that are included in, in the county. We're also a self-ruled county, just as Hood River is, and some of the others that are looking for the same model to improve the representation to the people. Because, let's face it, the only requirements in, in grants pass to be a county commissioner is a GED equivalent in education and reside in the county for six months, trying to manage a $120 million budget. That is almost an impossible job. And so... The existing structure that we have face that same thing, but they have to do all the work of a county manager plus all the work of setting policy. Yeah, but they're also paid full time. They are paid full time. That's correct. And they're still not performing the duties because we have had a groundswell of membership into the CRG, uh, Citizens for Responsible Government, Uh and it's growing by the day. Okay, I'm trying to figure out how do I get, let's say, I if I lived in Josephine County, how do I get more representation by voting for two commissioners rather than voting for three, which are the whole ball of wax, which I do right now, if I were a resident of Josephine County? How do you uh, say that two is greater than three? You're talking about majority to have a quorum in a meeting? No, no, no. I'm talking about, you know, essentially uh, the whole idea of having five commissioners is uh, is that you'll have more democratic representation, or because you have uh, districts, you divide everything up into districts, and, uh, and and yet everybody that lives in Josephine County, instead of voting for all three commissioners that we currently have, you'll be voting for two of five essentially. So how is that? Uh, how is two more than? How is uh, having two that you vote for? greater somehow than voting for five. In fact, I would also say, why bother with a fifth uh, uh, a fifth floating commissioner? Because uh, that strikes me as an odd super commissioner's sort of, uh, sort of position. Why not have five districts? And that way you have odd numbers. It's a lot of questions. Just, I'm just throwing it at you, uh, Larry. Go ahead and take them on if you can. Well, I'm glad you're asking these questions. Because right now, the people that are creating this, and the groundswell of people that are interested in this don't feel represented to the personal level by their geographics. Cave Junction, case in point, mm-hmm. Wolf Creek, William, Murphy, all these subsidiary smaller towns around Grants Pass feel like they're not being represented. This model we're trying to get to, five people, uh, actually is something that people can identify with their local geographic district that they're in. That 
is what's the biggest missing thing right now with the existing three commissioners. Okay. Rarely. Go ahead. Okay. Uh, how how will it be divided up? I'm just curious because you're doing it by uh, by population. And is the city of Grants Pass, which would be the 800-pound gorilla in the room of uh, Josephine County, be sliced into four di- four parts of each of those districts in order to even out? Do you know? Yes. Right now, the existing clerk, Brianna, is studying this and working with the state to create those population pieces of pie, shall we say, mm-hmm. and making sure. We thought we'd have the answer to that in the district's, uh, you know, announced in January, but now it looks like it's going to fall into February before she can get that done. All right, because it would seem seem to me the real challenge you run into on this one, Larry. By the way, Larry West with me, and he's a part of the Measure 17-116 measure, uh, which is uh, Citizens for Responsible Government. They're the ones who put this on. It's on the May ballot to be voted on in Josephine County. Uh, if you're talking, if you're concerned about, let's see, Cave Junction not getting its representation because uh, of everyone being at large in the current county makeup, uh, I don't know how that necessarily changes because you're going to take Cave Junction as an example and a good chunk of the city of Grants Pass that won't give a crap about uh, <laughs> Cave Junction as an example or another one with Selma and Wolf Creek, you know, that uh, sort of thing. I don't know if it necessarily solves that problem, Larry. Uh, where Where could I be wrong on that? Well, the thing is, right now, you have three trying to represent all the county. Mm-hmm. Now we have five, but you're identified in a district. You go to person. Right now, you don't have a go to person. You go to one or any of the three, and they're buried in all the administrative things that have to go on, plus trying to develop a policy to represent people that may have different things they're focused on and interested in is outlier area, outlying areas, such as Murphy, Williams, mm-hmm. Wolf Creek, Sunny Valley, uh, Cave Junction. And so this is the, an attempt to get more direct personal representation in all of the areas that think they are different, that really don't feel like they're part of the existing structure at all. Mm-hmm. And then instead of convincing two of the uh, county commissioners, which is all it takes to get a decent policy put in place, you would have to convince three. And f- and the third one you would have no influence on. Hmm. See what I'm getting at? I see what you're at. The quorum now to get something passed would have to be three. That's what you're bringing out. Yeah. And, and anyway, just to win a 3-5 vote, you know, you would, uh, mm-hmm. a minimum of 3-5 sure. vote, if there's something that's uh, hotly contested, uh, I think in some ways you have uh, more difficulty influencing the county commission with a five than you would with a uh, influencing two out of three. In this particular case, uh, you know, the, you know that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the thing you're leaving out is you don't have to go to the county commission and convince three. You just have to call up your representative, explain your problem, and have a two-way back and forth and see if you can get enough background to influence that person who will represent you. Uh-huh. Yeah, but, but, but what key. about? But it doesn't help you win the battle. All it does is convince your guy. As it is right now, all, the county, all three county commissioners listen to anybody within the county. In order to get their uh, to get their way, and by the way, I mean, you if know, that it's, were true, if that were true, why is there such a groundswell of people wanting to do away with what we have because they don't feel represented? And- well, I'll tell you why I think that, Larry. I think because a lot of this groundswell is the Democratic Party drive to uh, to oh, no, to raise no, no, no. the to raise the bar no, in no, Josephine County. No, not at all. The county is conservative by nature. The county leadership is Republican, basically. In this particular charter that we're looking at, we don't look to if you're an independent or a Republican or a Democrat. So, no, it is not a Democratic Party that is gaining influence in the county at all. This is basically a no-label. Yeah, but you've been on the record, though, as kind of... uh, that, you know, you've looked at the, a lot of the Republicans in, even though you are a Republican, I believe, if, uh, you know, last I'm time. A I, Republican. Yeah, you're a Republican, Republican, but I think you consider the Republican Party a radical party in Josephine County. 
Would that be a fair assessment? Uh, no, I am a officer in the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. I am a Republican. I stand for the Republican Party. Mm-hmm. Some of the leadership is in high question in Josephine County. Oh. The leadership of the existing, that's where the problem is. Not the Republicans, not the conservatism. It is purely a case of uh, Republicans way off the track of what the people are seeing. If that were not the case, we would not have the groundswell of people joining the Citizens for Responsible Government that we have. Okay. So implying that if you don't vote for 17-116, we'd be citizens for irresponsible government, I guess. You think you think the current crop of uh, county commissioners are irresponsible? Uh, I don't think they're bad or good or irresponsible. I job in a changing country, whereas it's almost an impossible job to administer. I have no things negative against the existing county commissioners, except for the job is too big for them in the structure they're held accountable to lead. Okay. Uh, Does anything in this charter, Larry, change the legal relationship with the state of Oregon? Because something I've been very concerned about is that uh, Multnomah County has itself defined as body politic first, which is more of a concentration on we the people. And Josephine County, just like Jackson County, it's still agency of the state. And so much of what happens in our counties is dictated to state agencies and what they uh, more or less impose upon us. Is there anything that uh, helps address that? No, that's a completely different area because we are subordinate to federal and state law. Mm-hmm. And the problems in the bigger cities, such as Portland, what? those problems and those geographics have a whole different suite of problems than we have in the world. Okay, well, we have a full different suite of problems, too. Why don't we define ourselves like Multnomah County? Why didn't you do that in this charter? And that way we'd be just like Multnomah County. And we can influence the agency of the state rather than the agency of the state coming in and dictating to the county. Uh, There's no discussion at this level, nor in the existing level that I know of, to really rejigger the power structure that we have in this state. We have to learn to live with the federal, the down to the state, and then down to the county charter. Mm-hmm. And we are home rule in our Well, ho- yeah, home rule over areas of county concern. Yes. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that means that uh, no matter what, uh, we if the, state, uh, if the state DEQ comes in here and says that uh, no gasoline for Joe County, I guess we got to take it, right? That kind of thing? Well, that would be just the same requirement for all counties, if that were to ever happen. Yeah, no, I, I understand. I understand. Now, Portland would invite that. Their body politic would probably like that until the food runs out. I don't want to get off in the weeds on this, though, okay? Larry? Yeah, but I, I agree with you. I agree with you. <laughs> yeah, Larry, I appreciate you coming on. Let me, uh, let's grab a few phone calls. I think some people want to ask you a question, and uh, we're just going to be live without a net here. Larry West with me, Measure 17-116. Hi, good morning. KMED, KCMD, who's this? Yeah, Ron Grasspass. Hello, Ron. Hello, Ron. I want I want to know why this man or any of their group think that uh, they should separate me from two other uh, commissioners as far as being able to vote for them, since the votes that they make would affect my my district area. Uh, that it would not necessarily represent the people's will in my district. And secondly. How is it that uh, a local county official is redrawing districts without the uh, the current uh, charter being addressed insofar as changes to the county? You have to do that first because the current charter is in effect. All right, uh, let's say let Larry answer that. Thanks for the call. Uh, what would you say to the uh, to the questions there from Ron? Well, I think it's Ron Smith who is on the line. No, that's not Ron Smith. That's not Ron Smith. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Here's here's the question that I have in return, because the question is no, more— No, please don't answer the question with a question. All right, the thing is, he said well, that if you go with two votes, you vote for two county commissioners, you are separated from the other three. Okay, say that again, because you said it well. I didn't agree with what he said, because 
He didn't make a lot of sense. Repeat what you just okay, said. Okay, he said, why should I, you know, why are, there, are people trying to separate the voters of Josephine County from three out of the five that will be, you know, on the commission under this plan? Uh, it's really not separating people. It's really providing more representation at the detail representation level to runs to the people out there. Right now, with the existing three people trying to do policy as well as administration is an overload in their capability. And it's been that way for quite a while. It sounds like you have more of a problem with lack of an administrator, and the existing commission could do that if they if they wish to right now. Well, then why haven't they been able to do it with the last several administrations? Probably because they don't see where the money's coming from, I guess. I don't know. You have to well, ask them. No, there's only four sources of money that the state allows you to have. Mm-hmm. You can tax it. You can fee it. You can bond it. And hopefully you get a grant. And that's the only sources of money you have. Yeah. And when you really drill, deep drill on this, get down to the bottom line, then we are really poor compared to the ability to do those four things, Jackson County or Multnomah County, because we don't have the industrial structure supporting us with a high tax rate. Yeah. So is the idea of cutting all the salaries of the the other five county commissioners then, is that going to pay for the administrator then? Is it going to be the same pile of money or is it still going to increase costs overall? What do you think, Larry? Well, I've looked at it. You know, some places where they're doing five commissioners, some places are doing things like the same structure, but only three commissioners. And then looking at the structure we're trying to implement, it comes out about a wash because, again, you're cutting instead of a hundred, say, $100,000 wages, which is pretty close to what the county commissioners are making in Josephine County. And you get that down to $24,000 range apiece for the five. And then take the difference and spend it for a county manager. It's about a wash to what hmm. we have today. I wonder what kind of people you attract with a $24,000. I've often wondered if you get what you pay for here, Larry, and, and this is, could be a philosophical disagreement that we might have here. But, um, you know, 24000 it just sounds to me like you're going to get people who are independently wealthy uh, or, or, you know, don't have to uh, to worry about it, to be running for commission at that point, because no one can really support themselves on a 24K gig. Or retired people would be a good example. Or retired people, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, there, we don't know that. But we do know what's going on in Hood River, and we've looked at that. And that hasn't been a problem that's popped up in their structure. And that's the closest county that's running in the model where it's kind of model after and it's being very very successful all right i appreciate your call here larry let me grab another couple calls here we'll make them have to do them quick here because i'm just turning into a pumpkin we'll have to have you back and uh, talk more on this but uh, highline three you're on with larry west go ahead good morning steve in sunny valley hello steve the the big lie is that the uh, outlying communities would get better representation what will happen is the grants pass will be divided up and we will be lost in Grants Pass. Right now, altogether, the surrounding communities have similar goals, similar needs, and we're served very well by three. And if if we are separated, we'll just be gobbled up by Grants Pass, and everything will go purple. What would you say to that, Larry? Well, that's what Steve's thinking. I think it's, uh, that's the best question so far, and I really appreciate that. This is why Rianne Hills. The county clerk is working with the state to make that division of population out where the core is, is in Grants Pass, spread out amongst all the different wheels, like uh, areas like a wagon wheel in four different ways. That is the single biggest thing that's taken us time with the state helping us with the funding and also the measurements to make that absolutely clear that it's four different areas. But the big elephant room is not Grand Pass, Grants Pass. Otherwise, what Ron says is absolutely correct. So this is a real key focus point and why we're having the state help us make that absolutely clear 
that it is a distribution on the basis of the population in different pieces of the pie. And that distribution is going to come from Grants Pass. All right. And uh, we'll take one more call, line four. And then, Larry, we're going to have to have you back in and uh, and talk more about this. But uh, line four, you oh, get the yeah. final word here with, uh, or at least the final question with Larry West. Go ahead, please. Uh, yeah, I don't know why you would um, compare a super, a super conservative county like Josephine County to a super liberal like Hood River County. Makes no sense to me. Uh, what would you say? Anything, uh, any comment there, Larry? Well, our organization is 100% no label. We have independents, Republicans, Democrats uh, coming to us all together. We make a focus not to be party-focused mm. and not to break us into conservatives, Republicans. And in the meetings I've attended to, you don't hear that. What they're working on together is what we can do to solve problems. Okay. And that's the missing element that we have today. Oh. All right, I'll try to squeeze another quick call in. I'll squeeze another minute out of this, and then we'll have to let Larry go. But anyway, go ahead, caller, on line three. You're there. Okay, is there uh, any way to guarantee that uh, the five parties isn't going to turn into a dictatorship? The what? For special interest? The what? The five parties? Turn into a dictatorship for the special people. Oh, are you talking about the uh, the one uh, the one county commissioner that is at large? Is that what you're uh, questioning? Is that what that is, Gene? I'm questioning no, five. I think three is just as good. Okay, all right. Well, I don't know if you can answer that or not, Larry, but uh, I'll, I'll toss it out there at you. Well, actually, having five split up is a better insurance policy than three being a dictator, because right now with three, you have. You have two people who can get together and isolate the third person. Mm -hmm. And with five of them, you've actually got people that are being represented, and you have to have three of them. It's very hard with that kind of a structure to get to where you have a a popularity contest or a dictatorship. Uh, It's Today, what we have is absolutely more prone to having a dictatorship as far as the policy output than what we have. And that's what we do have going on in the existing three person. Yeah. The uh, only thing I would counter, that. though, is that uh, at least the existing three would be listening to all people of the county, not just a particular. Because, you know, I could see what would happen then if you have two and you have the other three. You would call. You could get on. Uh, you could call up a, a, the third one. It's not in your di- not in your district, and they'll say, "Oh, I'm sorry, you're not in my district." You know, I can't really help you. Just like when you uh, that happens even right now with uh, with places that have districts. That's all I'm getting at, though. When we're talking about bigger mm-hmm. areas, but anyway, yeah. hey, it's good talk, Larry. I appreciate you coming on. We will have you back because uh, there's a lot sure. of time between now and uh, and and May to uh, hash out some more things. But uh, we got a good start. Okay, thank you so much. Bye. Thank you very much. Larry West, once again, Citizens for Responsible Government. You can find out more about 17-116, their take on it, at Joko uh, uh, Org. I'm sorry, Joko. Let me get that right. Joko, I'm just, I got to put my bifocals there. JokoCRG.org, Citizens for Responsible Government. I'll get that up on KMED.com.